Hello, hello. In this episode, I have a very special guest, the specialist of all the specials, my husband, Justin Lane. In this episode, we talk a little bit about our story, how we met, and all of the things relating to communication, gender roles, and talking about some of the stereotypes that go into marriages as man and woman, husband and wife. And then we talk a little bit about relationship equity and what he brings to the table as a person and an introvert and what I bring to the table as a person and an extrovert. Together, we are completely opposites, but we make it work. I hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tell Me Everything. I am Liz Lane, and I have a very special guest joining me today. He is my husband, Mr. Justin Lane. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. No, I really am excited. I thought it would be fun to have Justin as my very first guest, not just because he lives in the same household, but because I really respect him, and I think that he has so much to bring to this podcast and you guys are going to learn a lot from him. You already have me blushing in the first 30 seconds. I mean, that's my job. I'm trying to earn brownie points. Can you blame me? Okay. Nope. Can't blame you. (laughs) But just for fun, I thought it would be neat to start out with a little Q&A. But before I jump into that, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself for those people who don't know you? Tell us your job title, because to be honest, I get really confused. Yeah, I want to know what is my job title, Liz? (laughs) Okay. So here's the thing. I need to, I need to defend myself because his job title has changed a couple of times. He's gotten promoted. Congratulations. Two times in five years. (laughs) Okay. But I think your actual job title. Okay. You talk about blushing you freak. Okay. I think your job title is systems engineer. No, Dang it. My, my title is director of engineering at a healthcare financing company here in town. Okay. What did you used to be that used to have systems in it? My last job was director of infrastructure. <laughs> and then before that, I was a systems architect. Okay. So you see how I can get them confused. Yeah. I mean, it happens. I get it. I'm a terrible wife. Let's just start out there. <laughs> Not at all. Um, yeah, so I'm a director of engineering, which means I get to have a lot of fun working with technology, working with a lot of really good people that, you know, developers, database administrators, infrastructure managers, help desk, all those are, are people that I get to work with on a daily basis. And it's pretty cool because they get to challenge me in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of really smart people that I work with. And but we have a really good culture where um, being smarter isn't necessarily the, the number one thing in the culture. So being able to teach is the number one thing that we have going on. So being able to bring that in and we all teach each other, we really grow and create a good place to work. I love that. I I know a couple of the people that you work with. Some of them are our dearest friends. But what exactly is HFD? What is Healthcare Finance Direct? Healthcare Finance Direct is a company that provides financing for providers across the country. Um, We are notorious for being a second look provider, which means we don't really care too much about the credit that someone brings into a situation. Um, We have a lot of data to show that someone's credit score doesn't necessarily equate to what they're going to pay on or not. And so we get to bring that elevator pitch to a lot of providers. Um, They say provide aligners or provide hair implants or a lot of things that are elective procedures and they get to bring, bring them financing. So these people get to get these procedures done and they otherwise wouldn't be able to. So how long have you been working in the technology field or how long, what got you started in this space? What got me started, I'm not sure. I've always been someone that tinkered with technology and and played around with it. So I built computers growing up and um, played a lot of video games and just loved the whole idea of what technology is and how it works inside of our society. So I always kind of had this love for technology. Um, But getting into the field, I I got my bachelor's degree. Um, That is another long one. Liz, what is my bachelor's degree in? Yeah, I don't blame her for this one. It is 
computer. I have a bachelor's of science <laughs> in interdisciplinary studies with an emphasis on computational sciences and psychology. So it's a, it's a long one. I get it. I could give her a break on this one. <laughs> and but, you wonder why. Uh-huh. Yeah. So <laughs> I, sometimes I forget. Um, but putting it down on a resume, it looks really good. Um, it's just a lot of words, though. So I got my bachelor's in that. And I was one of the lucky people that came right out of school, was able to get a job in the technology field. And from there, just really dug in deep and started learning what it is that is needed in that field and how I could start moving up. I like that. I know I've, I mean, as I mentioned, Justin is my husband. And ever since I've known him, I remember when we were just friends, he would take apart computers and put them back together. And my brain could not be farther from that type of mentality. So I always think it's neat, but I also ask questions and I still to this day don't understand some of the concepts. So I always admire that about you, Justin. But as I mentioned, welcome. There are a couple more questions that I want to ask you. First one is, this is a little bit of a rapid fire. How are the Dodgers doing? Well, they're playing right now and I can't watch because I'm on the podcast, but they won game one. So that's good. So you don't know the score yet? I don't know tonight's score. No. Okay. But Kershaw's playing. Okay. Oh my gosh. You must really love me. I if, love you. Yes. Wow. I feel honored. <laughs> I feel if you guys only understood the love this guy has for baseball. Oh my gosh. I'm just getting emotional. I'm just kidding. It's fine. Thank you so much. But... Second question, if you won the lottery, what would you do with the money? Oh, man, I'm the worst person to ask that. Um, number one, I would pay off my student loans 100 um, percent. I won't get into the whole conversation. I know that you'll have some people that understand finances more than me later in your podcast shows. But um, yeah, student loans are fun. So I would pay those off. And from that point, I would probably I mean, I'm a freak, right? So I'd it out into percentages and figure out how much to how much to give, how much to put away and invest in companies or businesses, and how much can we spend right now to just have some fun. Awesome. What genre of books would you spend the most time looking through in a bookstore? That's a tough one. So right now, it it, it varies. So you know this. You set me up with this question. It depends what my mind is on at that time. So I am very much a kind of person that goes all in on something when I'm thinking about it or working on it. So if I'm trying to learn some new videography techniques and I'll spend hours in that section, if I'm trying to work on myself and do that, then I'm going to spend hours in the self-help section. If I'm trying to help others, I'm going to spend hours in the psychology section. So I just have a different section for everything. Um, so it's hard to say which one would I spend the most time at. But right now, a lot of it is uh, probably the self-help, I guess is what it's called. But just trying to um, be a better person myself and see others' perspectives. That has Self-help has such a negative stigma. If you I, know, guys, I don't even want to say it. I know. It's like I saw he, if you guys could see he was using air quotes. And it's so true because when you think about self-help, it's almost like you get categorized into this weird box of like, oh, you're just trying to be all about yourself. And that's not it. It's just about growth. And honestly, that's a huge part of what this podcast is all about is learning and growing as a person. Um, so yeah, that is something that you've been interested in lately. Uh, next question. What music album have you heard the most of? In this house is probably Taylor Swift, but in my life, um, I would probably say, the album I have listened to the most in my life, is that the question? Yep. You know the answer to this one. It's Thrice, Artist in the Ambulance. That's a go-to all the time. If Dustin's listening, he could be on the podcast. <laughs> okay, I'll let you do that interview. All right, sounds I'll good. make your day. Last question. What is a consistent compliment you've received throughout your life? That's a hard one. Are you going to put everyone on the spot with this question? That's a hard question to answer. You're making me think about a compliment that I get um, is probably somewhat a backhand compliment that I get more often than not. And that is I am very honest. And that comes in, when I'm when I'm not in a really good headspace. My honesty is not the nicest. And when I am, my honesty comes from a nice place. So that's why it's kind of a backhand compliment at times. That's probably the one that I've got most often in terms of who I am and, and my personality. But you may have others that you've heard, but that's one that I remember the most. 
No, I would definitely agree. You are a person full of honesty and integrity, but you mentioned that you, depending on what headspace, what do you think kind of gets you into certain headspaces or what do you think deters you or adds on to, I guess, the positive and negatives of that honesty? Yeah. So there's a lot involved with that. I mean, we all have um, emotions that go on probably honestly for me, um, if I am being healthy in terms of taking time. So if I'm not working 24 seven and I'm taking time to work out and I'm taking time to eat healthy and I'm taking time to sit down and actually think for 30 minutes without having an objective for that thought, then I'm in a pretty good space. But when I am very, when I'm in a very driven space for, for work or for something where I'm not taking care of myself like that, then I, I end up negative and pretty, I, I could be rude at times. Do you think that that kind of stems from like a lack of confidence or you just feel not happy? Like why am I negative at that time? Um, I, I think it's probably more, um, and this may need to be explained further, but it's probably more of a disrespect of that person at that time where I don't feel like, I don't feel like that person is needed for that time right now. Right. So I will, if someone asks me something, I'll, I'll be very, very to the point and, um, not, not in a way that's respecting them or their feelings. Right. But it doesn't come from a place. I don't think of, of anything other than me not thinking of the respect for that person and their, their time right there. Okay. No, thank you for sharing. Does, this. does that make sense? Or did that did I explain that well? No, it definitely does. I just ask that because, you know, we've been married. We just celebrated our seventh anniversary. Whoop, whoop. And honestly, I hear this weird thing all the time about the seven year itch. And it surprises me because I feel like and, and not to brag or anything, but I feel like for the most part, we've had it pretty easy and not to say that we haven't had our moments. Um, most of them, especially in the early years of marriage were me trying to work through some things, but I feel like we're a pretty good team. And I ask you that question because I think a lot of times when people talk about marriage and they talk about some of these things, these are questions that I've never asked you before. Yeah, that's true. That's why I'm, it takes me a second to answer them. Um, you're not giving me any soft pitch right now. You're giving me the fastballs. I am. I'm going to do that because I want to challenge um, our listeners, but also us as a couple. I think that because you and I tend to be so independent and it's easy for us to stop asking the hard questions. And that was one of the things early on in our marriage that I liked about you so much, or I shouldn't even say marriage when we were first dating that you really wanted to know me as a person and you would ask these questions. And we met, um, when we were pretty young, I was, how old were we? Maybe 23. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like 23. So I am a year older than Justin. And uh, we met around that early 20s. And I was definitely going through a weird time. I'm a bit of a complicated human being. And he was a very, as he mentioned early, honest person and wouldn't put up with my drama or nonsense. Those of you guys who've had difficult relationships know that there's always one in the relationship that kind of causes a little more ripples, I guess I'll say in the relationship. But when we first met, uh, Justin and I, like I said, we were good friends for quite a few years. And, um, I do want to kind of ask you what, what was it that kind of pushed you or propelled you into wanting to get married? Getting married. Okay. That's interesting. I thought you were going to go into getting into a relationship, but getting married. So we, we were friends for a long time, like you said, and I did have, I hate the whole checklist thing that you talk about, but I, I really had one, two things that I really, really had on my checklist. And one was obviously I wanted to be attractive to the person and Liz is a beautiful person. And then the second thing is that I wanted someone that would push me to be better. And Liz did that like no one else had done in my life. Um, it was very easy for me, um, to avoid people and to just shun people from my life. And if, if I, if I was not feeling like the relationship was giving me anything, I was out. I, I just wasn't there. And, um, Liz challenged me in ways that no one else really 
did in that. And so whenever those two things were checked for me, even though she was a pain in the butt early on and there were a lot that we had to work through and deal with, um, at the end of the day, she she was the best thing that has happened to me. And and all of our friends would agree with that too. And, and how she has helped um, sharpen and, and mold me into the person I am. And that is something that I really, really, I knew I needed at a young age. Um, I wasn't really amazing at social interactions. It's not that I was extremely awkward. It's just, I, I didn't really know how to love and respect people like Liz did. And Liz could go talk to any stranger on the street and do that. And so I just admire that so much. And so seeing these two things and coming together and then obviously the love we had for each other, it, it was a pretty easy answer in my mind. Well, I think that I wanted to ask you these questions and I didn't want to I didn't want to prep you. I didn't want to tell you these things because I honestly want it to be something where as we're having this conversation, I want people to understand that that you and I are very different people. And coming into this marriage, as you mentioned, like you might not have been a little you've have you weren't as social as I was, but also I did not value close friendship as much as you did. And so I had a, a lot of superficial relationships in my life and not just, um, dating, but even friendships. Like I didn't have a lot of close girlfriends growing up. I'm kind of a little bit of a tomboy, a little bit rugged. And I had a hard time connecting. And one of the things that I liked about you was that you had friendships that lasted through the years and people that you had those deep conversations with. And so coming into this marriage, I think that when people come come into a situation, especially when you're talking about joining in marriage, it's easy to kind of look at those differences as a negative. And while we've had those struggles, um, I would say that they have worked out for the better for us. But I kind of want to jump into nowadays, like I said, we've been married seven years now. And a lot's happened in those seven years. And I don't really want to go too much into our story because I, there's a couple of things that I really want to talk about today, but luckily I know where you live and I will have you on here another time. But one of the things that I want to talk about tonight is a little bit about communication. And we kind of started talking about this earlier, but can you think of something that we consistently argue about or that we go to that cause friction in our house? The only thing that I really think about, and honestly, and not, not in a bragging way, but we, we are both very independent, but also come back to this grounded place that kind of works really, really good for us. So there's not a ton of arguments. Um, the number one thing that drives me insane that I will usually bring up is whenever I sit something somewhere in the house, not disorganized, it's set there for a purpose. And it is all of a sudden gone within 10 minutes, nowhere to be found. And no one knows where it's at. And that is one of the only things in our marriage that really drives me insane at times. But outside of that, in terms of arguing, I, I don't know. Is there something that you could think of that we always come back to and it's something that we argue about all the time? <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh because I, um, I do do that. And sometimes he'll ask me where it is and I will forget where I put it. True story. But I, I mean, I agree. But when I really break it down and I think about the times that I'm most frustrated or the times that I find myself irritated, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, and these are my own issues, but like roles and asking, I so, so ridiculous when I say it out loud, but for some reason, this is a trigger word for me. What's, what's for dinner. <laughs> and I, it just, I don't know why it upsets me so much. And to be clear, I don't even say that. I say, what are we doing for dinner? I don't even, it's not even worded in a way <laughs> that insinuates that it's her job to take care of it. What are we doing? What's, what's the plan? What do you want to do? And yeah, she's right. That's a trigger. It is a trigger. And I, and I wanted to talk about this because one, I think it's absolutely hilarious, but two, it's a real thing. And I know that there are other marriages, especially talking to other friends where a lot of those things are placed on 
the woman. But I also know that there's a lot of things that are stereotypically placed on the man. And without realizing it, we kind of fall into these patterns. And I don't know if men think about this as much as women do or get frustrated about things like that, or if you kind of fall into those places. Yeah. So, I mean, you do a lot, you, you work and you do a ton around the house and a lot of stuff. And so I don't, I know I don't have a lot to be frustrated about and I just try to do my part to keep up with what you're doing. But in terms of men overall, I've had many of conversations about with frustrated men about them feeling like their wives at home are not holding up their end of the bargain. And that is definitely something I've had conversations about. Can you maybe give us an example? Obviously, please don't name names, but just possibly a generalized example. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it comes and you're right, it's stereotypical and it is it's probably, I mean, it's not coming from a good place, but um, I mean, a lot of it is just a, the typical stuff, right? Like the laundry's not done when I get home or the house isn't clean and the house should always be clean when I come home or, you know, this, this didn't get, it's just all these little things that, and honestly, the, those marriages lead to really, really rough places because it's just this festering anger inside of both sides. I would imagine that probably blows up at times. Yeah. And I think that part of why this might be a little bit of an easier conversation for you and I is because we don't have kids in the mix. So, so we are actually, we're coming to this from a unique perspective, but also I want to challenge you guys to think about some of these things and these different dynamics within your own home, because Justin and I come from different backgrounds. I was, uh, my parents got divorced when I was pretty young. I was about six years old and my dad moved away. And while he was always in my life, I was, uh, raised by a single mother from the age of six to about junior high, high school. And she remarried to an amazing uh, man. And I have two dads in my life now, but those years, they were my formative years. And I had a mom who worked all the time and she came home and was in school. And so I saw her do everything without somebody um, to, to kind of help her out. So for me, it's almost like I saw I grew up always wanting a partnership and a teamwork. And when I thought about marriage, I thought, you know what, whenever I get married one day, like we're, and I just had these roles in my head, like, and it's, it's interesting because I don't know if it's a societal thing or if it's a stereotypical thing or growing up in a Christian home thing, but Typically, the woman is the one who does the cooking and the cleaning and the laundry and taking care of the kids and, 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 and. Well, going back to you, it's just it's pretty modern that the woman is seen as close to equal in the workplace. Right. And that's something that women are still fighting for to see full equality. And some some areas have taken that on better than others. But that's that's pretty modern that that's a that's a thing. And so it was a very much a role where the man was the one that went to work, worked the nine to five or eight to five and came home. And, you know, the wife had you watch commercials from back in, back in the day, you know, and that's what every commercial was. The man walking in with his briefcase and the woman with the kids sitting there with dinner on the table. And Hey, we use this for our dish soap tonight, you know, and that's, that's what the commercials were. And they're definitely portraying like, this is what society should be. But that has changed drastically, you know, with women stepping in and taking bigger roles in business and becoming these executives at major companies. And, you know, the, the time that comes with that is is drastic and they're not at home with the kids and they're not doing that. And it's not that they shouldn't be, but roles are kind of a little more fluid now than they used to be. And I agree with that. And I think that, you know, you and I come from pretty conservative backgrounds, I would say, and growing up um, Christian and looking at biblical perspectives and seeing a lot of the wording in the Bible, it's hard as a woman. And I can only speak from a woman's perspective 
when you see these things and you hear about like the Proverbs 31 woman and honestly, full disclosure, like I read that chapter, full disclosure, and I get irritated by it. It's not something that I am, I guess, uh, what's the word am I, what am I looking for? I'm not like motivated by that. I don't read that chapter and think, yes, I'm going to blah, blah, blah. I look at that chapter and I think I can't measure up to that. I get frustrated by that. And I know though, that that's looked at by so many people as this ideal woman. And while I do believe that women can do everything, I also think that men can do everything. And so before I kind of, oh yeah, go ahead. Well, that's a, that's an interesting thing to bring up because I think people get so focused on the, on what she is doing and not the virtues of who she is. And I, I truly believe that the chapter is on the virtues of who that woman is, right? She's taking care of her family and you could tell she's doing everything possible to do that. And I know as a man and, and as been talking to my other friend, like that's really at the end of the day, what we're looking for, not only for ourselves, but when, when children are in the mix, right? Is it someone that could be a true partner that you know, without a shadow of doubt, has you and your children's best interest in mind? And that's what I see in that woman. I don't see someone that's just sewing, you know? And I think we get so caught up in these things like, okay, she's sitting at home, she's doing this, and she goes to the market and does this, you know? And it's not that. It's much, much deeper than that. And I love that you said that because I think that it's such a confusing thing. And I wish that I could put you in my brain. You'd probably fall asleep in like five seconds from complete exhaustion. Cause in the woman's mind, it is always going there. I, I don't know how to turn my brain off. I, I try to go to sleep at night. You're out in a five minutes and I'm up for an hour after. And it's not even necessarily that I'm stressed or that I have anything particular on my mind. It's just constantly going and running and replaying conversations that I had, or, oh my gosh, I, I wanted to do this. And I don't know if that's a personality thing or a woman thing, but I've definitely spoken to other women that, that relate to that. And I kind of want to go back to that Proverbs 31, because while I completely agree. And I love that. I love that perspective, Justin, because I think that it's important that women hear from a, from a man that that might not be what you're thinking. Now I can't speak for all men and you're not the voice of all men in the whole world in every marriage. But I think that a lot of times us as women, we assume the worst in our men. And we think, oh, well, he just doesn't care about me. And he sees me doing all this laundry and he's over there on the couch watching the game. And I'm over here up to my nose in dishes and I can't relax because I need all these chores to do. And so sometimes I I'll be honest, it'll I can perceive that as you don't care about me and my time and you expect me to do it because we see that it needs to be done. Um, is that does your mind go there at all or am I making up a whole novella story in my head? Yeah, you got a whole thing going on. Yeah. And you know that, too. That's why you're laughing right now. Do you ever think about it? No, I don't. And, and that's what I've talked to you about this, right? Where I don't walk by the dishes and be like, oh, crap, dishes need to get done. Let me do it right now. Never does that cross my mind. Now I kind of like I'll put dishes in as I use them because that's how you like it. And I'm learning how you like it. But outside of that, it's not something that that my mind goes to. Right. And my mind is typically on, on days I'm working. My mind is on work and what needs to happen next. And I have my schedule in my mind and this, 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 I need to be prepared for this. Right. And a lot of other things is kind of like blinders on the side. I'm very focused. And then on days that I'm off, I'm, I'm trying to relax or, you know, me, I'm working, I'm working on something else, you know, and I'm very focused on what I'm working on at that time. Now, is that good? Probably not. I probably need to be able to open up the blinders a little bit, but is it ever like, I'm not going to do those. That's Liz's job. <laughs> and that never crosses my mind. No. And I, and I am laughing because I, like I said, I don't know if it's coming from a place of insecurity or a place where I feel like, 
frustrated by that. And I'm bringing this up because um, you you brought up something very interesting to me the other day, and it was this term relationship equity. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So I was listening to the podcast. Um, I, as I mentioned phases earlier, so I'm in this phase of our favorite term, self-help. And there's a man by the name of Simon Sinek that is very good. Is Sinek, how you say it? Did I say that right? Sure. Sinek. I mean, it sounds right. Sinek. Um, he has a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. It's very good. And so I was listening to that and he made an interesting point in there. And he was talking about friendships and true friendships and how to move forward with those. And he was saying that a lot of us in marriages and in friendships, we look for equality. And he was saying how that's kind of wrong in some ways. And he was like, in a marriage, if you're equal, that says, I'll take out the trash and then you'll take out the trash. Then I'll do the dishes and then you'll do the dishes and we're going to keep a tally and we're going to keep it equal. So we each equally get it done. And that sounds terrible to me. Right. And so he was saying that you want equitable relationships and equitable relationship would be one where it says, okay, Liz, you take out the trash and I'll do the dishes. And Liz, you fold the laundry and I'll clean the stove, right? And it's equitable. So you're both having each other's back when you're working through this. And it really kind of made me think about a lot of things. And he went, I, I wish I knew the name of which podcast he has. He just started it. So there's only about 15 up and they're all worth listening to. And you'll come across this one, I'm sure. But he goes into some conversations he had with friends in that, right? Where he, he realized like, this is not equal or equitable for me and I'm doing everything. And the way he went about it was pretty amazing, but just having the idea that not everything needs to be equal really changes how you view every relationship. I love that because when you said that, I've actually been stewing on it and thinking about it ever since you talked about it. And when I think about the times that I feel like we're on a roll or we're on the same page. And I know this sounds really silly. And maybe this is something that maybe some of you listeners out there might want to implement into your own marriage, or maybe you have roommates. Basically, I created a list of all of the house chores or duties that needed to be done. And what we kind of did was we went through and Justin and I took time and we would pick something, do it, check it off the list. And what's funny about that is... I realized that I don't really mind doing the dishes. I don't really mind um, taking out the trash or, but they're, I hate, and I mean, loathe picking up dog poop. And so that's something that Justin naturally gravitated to. And he went out there and picked that up. And, and honestly, just him doing like the sweeping and the mopping or him taking out the trash or, reorganizing the fridge is something else that I absolutely dislike doing, but he likes organization. And when he said that, I, I started to think about this silly little list because while these things need to be done, I was doing them all, but it's because I never asked for help. And, or I would ask it in a really rude, sarcastic way and kind of be passive aggressive about it. And I learned that if I just made a list and said, these are the things that I need done and I'm really stressed out today and I need help. You didn't, while this, you weren't jumping for joy, like, yes, I get to go pick up dog poop. You did it. And my night was more relaxing. Yeah. It's way better for me. I just put headphones on and just knock it out and, and get it done because again, I'm not your brain walks around looking at those things and is bothering you all day. Not that I'm a gross person. And I want everything to be gross, but that's not how my brain works. And so if you're looking at that as bothering you, then I would much rather it be, okay, here's a list. Let's split it up. Let's get it done. So the house is clean and we could, you know, move on. And, and it took a, it takes us an hour to get it done. I just put headphones on. I sweep my mop. I go out back, pick up the dog poop. And then we're pretty good. You do dishes, you do laundry. And that's usually how we split it up. And then everything's done and you're happy. I'm happy. We're good. And I, I wanted to point out also that this particular subject doesn't necessarily mean male and female. I think that it also has to do with personalities. And one of the things that I wanted to bring up was years and years ago, Justin and I, as part of our young adults group at our church, we took this uh, test called the strength 
Finders 2.0. If you haven't ever taken it, I really encourage you to take a look at that. But one of the things that we share often with people is that while I don't remember all five of my top strengths or Justin's top, I'll just use this as an example. Um, one of my strengths is positivity. And so when I step into a room, I see the things that, um, are awesome about a situation. Oh my gosh, I, they did. Let's say it's an event. That was an amazing concert or that person did such a great job up there. I loved seeing all these people. And Justin comes, we were at the same event and he says, man, the music was a little too loud. And, um, it, it was felt like it was so crammed in there. And every single time I would get frustrated because I saw this human being, my husband as being negative. And I would get extremely, it would kind of deflate me. It was like, I was super excited and I felt like he was popping a balloon because I was like, man, like I was super excited and you just made it negative. But after we took that test, I learned that his on the opposite end of the spectrum is called restorative. And that term restorative basically means that he goes into a situation and he finds ways on how to improve this. He, he goes into that event or that concert and he says, man, like that music was a little loud. And because he's a sound guy or he has worked in sound before, he, he knows that he could have made that better. Or he says, man, it's a little cramped in his mind. He could think, well, if we just move these tables a little over to the left, there would be more space for these people to walk around and dance or whatever. And you see that both of us were in the same exact situation, had completely different perspectives. But when I read that, I actually felt bad and guilty and honestly a little convicted because without realizing it, I was putting him down um, and getting upset with him when really it was a strength of his. I just didn't see it that way. And while he did mention earlier that um, he, he did need to kind of sharpen those skills a little bit to say things a little bit nicer, it was still a strength. And I think that when we're talking about marriage and especially this term relationship equity, it's really important to capitalize on each other's strengths. It's important to look at that at your unique abilities, Justin, and my unique abilities, not as men and women, but as human and human and what we bring to this partnership, because that's what it is. We're a team. Yeah, that's an awesome point. Learning that was actually a big moment for me as well, because I would feel bad leaving. So, so in that example, which I don't even know if that's a real example of a concert or not, but in that example, um, if we were at an event, I, it's not that I didn't enjoy the event, but the words and actions that I portrayed after that would, would show that to Liz. Right. So it would say that it, by me saying, if we would have done this or this would have happened, then this would have been better. It shows that, Oh, I didn't enjoy this event when really I enjoyed it so much that I actually thought about how it could be even better. And that's how my mind worked. And so learning that I'm not because there's not a lot of restoratives out there like, like me. And so we are seen as very negative people at times. And it's frustrating going through life like that, where you, you, you have situations and I want to step in and I want to make it better. And you're seen as someone coming in and being the negative Nancy in the situation. And that's not at all where I, where I was coming from ever in those situations. But like Liz said, when her, in her mind and and even on even further than that, right? It could be something that was pretty terrible and she would still come out and say, well, they did amazing. Those people work so hard at this. And then I'm just like, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> like it, was, it wasn't that, but that's how she sees the world. And, and to reiterate, neither one are right or wrong. It's just how we both are. I wanted to kind of throw this out there. There is a TED Talks called The Power of Introverts, and it is by Susan Cain. It's from back all the way back from 2012. But um, Justin, I, he is termed or categorized as an introvert, and I don't want to go too much into this, but it also plays a huge role in how we see things. He's an, an introvert and I am a, an extrovert and we are almost on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Like I am way at the top extrovert and he is way at the top introvert. And when I 
if you guys have a chance or a moment, go ahead and look back at that uh, TED Talks, The Power of Introverts, because it talks about how people like Justin, maybe you relate to him, maybe your personality is a little bit more like him, how you guys are powerful in your own way and that you guys are actually what makes the world work and makes this place tick. Because if you guys understood this, like I've been wanting to start this podcast for a long time and Justin ordered the mics for me. He set it up. He knew exactly what equipment to purchase. He, he came in here, he, um, did the audio and he helped me to get on the website that I need. And while I had the idea and it's exciting and, and I want to do this, it was him who actually had the knowledge and pushed me to actually do it. And so I want you guys to start thinking about your relationships that way. I want you guys to start thinking about instead of, man, that person is the complete opposite of me. We don't understand each other. Instead, say, man, that person is the complete opposite of me. How can I learn from them? And taking that back, um, talking about our marriage early on and, and arguments, um, not necessarily an argument, but a source of frustration for you was the fact that you were used to going to just big events all the time, every weekend. And I was dying. I was like, I can't do this because as an introvert, I am absolutely drained whenever we go to something and Liz would stack up like three, four events on a Saturday and the all Saturday's gone and she'd come home and just still be ready to party because she's just getting energized from all this. And I'm like, I literally feel like I'm going to die right now. I have nothing left to offer anybody. And so even that was a learning curve for us to, to say, because early on you thought I was being rude when I'm like, I, I can't, like I, I can't go to this, you know? And you'd be like, this is my family though. We need to go. I'm like, I literally have nothing left to give anybody. And do you remember those? Like, oh, I re I remember I had to learn, um, how to tone it down. I, I was, I am quite the party animal. I will stay up all night and I will drive across town to make it to 12 different events because I just, I don't know. I, I like to be around people and it does energize me. But again, part of that in me was a little bit selfish and only seeing it from my perspective and assuming that my way was the only way and assuming that my way was the right way. And I think that a lot of times when we have that type of a personality like I do. Sometimes I can be a little bit of a tension hog without realizing it. And since you are such a, you know, giving person, I kind of, without realizing it, took advantage of that. And it, it did. It was kind of like a sore subject for us because I felt like you were holding me back um, or like you were trying to keep me from having fun. But when I started to actually take the time and I had to humble myself to learn that you need, you have different needs than I do. And so kind of to help with that is that I will try to ask you now instead of saying this is what we're going to. Although sometimes I will say this is a non-negotiable. I need you here with me. But I, I started to just go to things on my own, especially if we had multiple events in a short amount of time. Yeah, which kind of works out good, too, in terms of a, a marriage. Right. So I think that you're more apt to plan a girl's night or to do these things with your friends because you don't feel like, oh, I'm, I'm leaving Justin at home and he's going to be sad. No, I'm not going to be sad. I'm going to relax and I'm going to chill. And that <laughs> that fills me up, you know. Yeah. And I, and I like that. And I love that about you. And I think that, that it's important to revisit some of these things because th these aren't typical conversations that you and I have. It's not like we go to sleep at night and we think, Hmm, today you were restorative and these it's, it's not about that, but it, it is about being aware. It's about taking that moment when I find myself frustrated or when I find myself getting annoyed or irritated, I have made it a habit to assume the best in you. And I try to think, man, maybe, maybe he's having a bad day or maybe Justin, there's some, because believe it or not, people, we do not know everything about that other person at all times. I have no idea what happened to him from his day. If he's stressed about something, he is a human being. Maybe he's struggling with something internally. I don't know. And we have to start to remember to look at our friendships um, and our marriages, our relationships the, as these are people that I have to remember that you, Justin, while you are my husband, 
you are still a person and you still have your days and your moments. And when I start to look at you that way and I remember those things, it allows me to have patience and allows me to have understanding. And more times than not, I'm the one that needs to chill. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that's awesome. And one thing I wanted to go back to also, if you don't mind, is back to, and I know we're talking a lot about marriage. A lot of this relates to friendships, but I was thinking of, the you're talking about women feeling frustrated with how women look at um, their role at home and stuff like that. Right. And I've had a lot of friends that are guys that genuinely go out of their way to try to do something for their wife or for their girlfriend and get shot down hard. Right. So it'll be like, Oh, I, I got them flowers, but they were the wrong flowers. And just to say like what that does to that guy is devastating, not only for him, but for the relationship. So if you want someone that is going to be looking out for your best interests, when they attempt to do that, then give them some feedback that is positive, right? And so even if it's the, they get you shoes that are the wrong color or flowers are the wrong color, or they get you something that's the wrong color or the wrong size or, and, but the intent was positive, then then return that in a positive way. Right. And so I've seen so many guys just literally give up on their relationships. Like, Hey, where am I? This, I am where I am because they're just tired of being in that place, man. And I, I'm glad you're bringing that up. And I've been guilty of that. I'll, I'll admit, like one of the things that I remember vividly was I, we, we were in an argument about cleaning house. It was when I was in our, it was when our first year of marriage and, do you remember the incident or the discussion when we talked about the dishwasher? Yeah, I didn't want to do dishes ever. I was tired of it because I did the dishes and you didn't like, I didn't do them properly. I didn't put them in the dishwasher properly. So I was like, fine. Exactly. And I'll admit, like, these are some things that I can be a little bit of a control freak in my, and again, it goes back to this egotistical mindset where I think that my way is the only way. And I think that the world revolves around me. And I hate to say that out loud, but I think that we can all be guilty of that a little bit. I, I don't want to, you know, point fingers, but like, it's, I think Justin, you, just you earlier, like you were talking about how you mentioned that in that moment, like that person didn't their time or whatever. And, and, it's because we, we get so self-centered in that moment. It's all about us and what we want. And when we, when we find ourselves in those states, we have to know that that's not a healthy place. And so that took me, when you said that I was angry because I was like, so instead of learning the right way, you're just going to give up. That was my mindset instead of Liz, he's actually trying. Does it really matter how it's done? And the debate has not been settled who has the right way or not. <laughs> it hasn't. And honestly, like, I think that that's where we, we either say we're both right or we're both wrong. Be the dishes are getting done either way. Exactly. The dishes are getting done either way. And it takes patience, you guys. Like, as we start to close, I, I wanted to... Um, throw out this book that I, I was at a friend's house this past weekend and she had a book on her table that I, I, it's been a long time since I read it, but it's called Captivating by John and Stacey Eldridge. And it's basically goes into like the heart of a woman. And it talks a little bit about how, what we were talking about tonight, about how from young girls, we play these games and there's all of these, um, movies about princesses and being rescued and all these things. And while my personality, as I mentioned, is, it was always a little bit of a tomboy. Like my favorite Disney movie is Mulan because she saves China and she fights and she, and, and that's my idea. And I liked Beauty and the Beast because she was smart and she liked to read. I was never into the whole, I'm a princess and come and save me. It was I want to conquer the world and I want to do these things. But without realizing it, there was still this part of me inside of my heart that wanted to be wanted, that wanted to be pursued, that wanted to be loved, that wanted to feel safe. And on the flip side, John and Stacey Eldridge also have this other book called Wild at Heart. Justin, did you ever read that book? I actually can't remember. I have. Yes. 
can you, is, is it kind of the same perspective from a man's? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a man's perspective just kind of on life. And it's a lot about being outdoors and just kind of your natural state of being a man and going through all that. Yes, because in that book, Captivating, it talks about how men have the desire to pursue and to protect and to, like he said, outdoors in the woods. And um, and I wanted to to end with that because maybe you're at a place where you're trying to understand and there are some frustrating things about you as a woman. And when I start and I just read the first two chapters because I was at my friend's, I'll have to find my own copy of the book. But it started to resonate me with was so much because I was like, wow, like, even though I, I think that I'm this independent woman, and even though I think, oh my gosh, I can conquer the world, I will still go to Justin if I hear a noise in the house. And I will still go to Justin if I'm scared or if I'm crying or if I'm worried. Um, I'll still go to Justin and say, I need help. I tried this a thousand times. And it's because I don't know, again, if that's a female thing or if it's a, a, a me thing. But I just know that Justin is that person for me that I need. And I I wanted to kind of remind you guys, too, that I hear a lot that relationships are 50-50, just like Justin mentioned, that that equal. But a lot of times it's 20, 80 or 70, 30 or 40, 60, because we are different people coming from different places. And I don't know, Justin, like. Even, even to put a percentage on that is hard, right? Because maybe in one aspect of life, you're, yeah, you're carrying 70%. Good job. But guess what? They're carrying 90% in the other aspect of your guys' lives, right? And that's where the equitable comes in is is valuing everything at that at that level, right? So it's not just that, oh, yeah, let's just put everyone into a, a lump and say you're, you're 20% of our relationship. I'm 80%. You better step it up or I'm out of here. That's not really fair, right? And obviously people go through hard times. There's things that happen. We don't understand the full situations, but I have seen plenty of times where people have been absolutely wrong from an outside perspective of what they think about their relationship. And you're so right. And I like that you bring that up because that's something that I am still working on. It's something that in my mind, I'm still this kid trying to, I guess, trying to do it all when I don't need to do it all. I don't have to carry it all in my shoulders. Like you are an amazing human being that we're a partnership, we're a team. And instead of looking at it from that perspective, I want to eventually get to that place where I look at us that way. And I love that. I love that about you because you, you've never made me feel inferior. That is one thing for sure. You've never held me back from any of my crazy ideas like this podcast and said, you support me. And and, and I just wanted to encourage you guys out there right now that you matter and you bring something very valuable to the table, to your relationship, to your friendships. But it takes you understanding and knowing who you are as a person, being willing to learn, being willing to change when you realize and understand that you're wrong. And if you have that attitude going into things, you're going to be unstoppable. You're going to be a better person. You're going to have more empathy and compassion. But I just want to say thank you, Justin, so much for, for being on tonight. I love you so much. Yeah, it was fun. I love you too. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening in. Talk soon.